This is three and five on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of three and five. This is Steve Peacher, president of SLC Management. And today I'm really pleased to be joined by Randy Brown, who's Sun Life's chief investment officer and also a good friend. Randy, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Steve. Today, we want to talk about ESG, which is a hot topic, of course. And Randy oversees a big institutional portfolio. Sun Life's general accounts over $100 billion U.S. dollars in assets across multiple currencies and geographies. And my first question, Randy, is as somebody who oversees that portfolio, when you think about ESG goals that you can pursue and opportunities that you can pursue with that general account, what are some of those that relate to our general account? Thank you, Steve. I think the, uh, the overarching thing here is that we want to be part of the solution, but we need to balance the needs of all of our constituents. We have policyholders, we have shareholders, we have employees, but we also have society. And we need to balance the needs of all of those as we look at our investments. So the first is I really think about a strong defense for the general account. We tend to lend money for a long period of time, tends to be in the form of debt whether it's public loans or private loans. So one of the most important things is to ensure that the company is there 20, 30, 40 years from now to repay us. And of course, while we didn't call it ESG back then, we've been evaluating the long-term prospects for companies really forever. But now we're really factoring in ESG uh, into that in a big way because we do think that has a large impact on the long-term viability of companies. Our assets should help us finance solutions to ESG problems. So that's also important. We want to support companies on their journey. So it's less about where they are today and more about where they're going. And so long as they have a path towards a more sustainable future, then we want to support them. And so we think that's a really important note. And then last is we want to play offense. So typically as a bond or loan investor, you're really looking at getting a coupon and getting your money back. But there are a lot of capabilities where we want to begin to play offense. And that's a little bit new for us. When you think about some of the solutions that you mentioned, you know, the ability to invest in renewable energy, either by owning projects like wind farms or lending against those kind of projects. Um, do you find that those, the characteristics of those investments are consistent with other goals that you have to meet for the general account? Or sometimes are they in conflict with the other goals that, that you have to uh, meet with those assets? Well, typically they're aligned. So a lot of these uh, projects are long dated and come with a coupon. So we need yield to sustain our annual dividend to our policyholders, et cetera. Where it's more of a conflict is when they're in the form of equity, because equity is challenging for insurance companies due to the significant capital required to hold equity investments. So that's where you run into a problem and there's a conflict, but generally we're we're finding ways to increase our non-fixed income relative to our fixed income. They are aligned in the sense that they're long-term oriented, which is the way we need to invest. If you think of somebody who takes out a policy, they may have a 30, 40, 50, 60 year life expectancy. So we need to make sure we have money in the way out there to repay them. And, and last, I think companies that do not have a robust plan to be more sustainable are going to be at a competitive disadvantage in the long run. So investing in those that do have a good plan I think will help us to continue to deliver to our to our stakeholders. You know, there's a lot of enthusiasm about the role that institutional investors like Sun Life can play in furthering the cause of climate change. Many investors are thinking about or signing up for uh, organizations like the Net Zero uh, Alliance, but that also comes with challenges. So 
What are some of the challenges that you find as you think about ESG commitments and overseeing a large portfolio like the general account at Sunlight? Yeah, I would say first, and this is sort of a big one, is that the technology to get to net zero doesn't exist yet in a sensible, scalable, affordable, accessible way. So Kevin Strain, our new CEO, he really put it to me in a really good way that helped cement this. It's really like saying that we're going to put a woman on Mars by 2050, and the whole world is aligned to make that happen. So we don't know how we're going to do it, but we know that everyone is aligned to make that happen. And when I make the transition from this lack of accessibility today to the guiding principle where we're going, it helps frame the problem. Part of the challenge is the path. So the expectations of some regulators and activists don't really align, in my view, with what's achievable by certain dates. So I think they are overly ambitious in terms of what's achievable in a way that we think makes sense. So the challenge really for me is hitting the interim targets without divesting in companies that will actually get there on their own, but later, because we really don't believe in divestment. That's just moving paper from left hand to right hand, but rather we really focus, Steve, on engagement. We think that's really important. I guess lastly, big issue is reporting. So there's a big push to report what is your, for instance, your carbon footprint today. But as it turns out, we really only have reliable data, probably on less than 20% of our portfolio today. And the path to get that accurate data, it will happen, but it's not going to happen in the next 12 months or even 24 months. It's going to take time to get there, to be able to have the starting point to create the path forward. So those are some of the challenges. But again, it's something if you take that step back and say, we'll get there. 2050 on one hand is a long time. On another hand, it'll be here before we know it. So you have to start the journey. One more uh, personal question, Randy, that actually I think relates to our topic at hand, and that is Sun Life's lucky because you oversee the general account and how it's pursuing ESG goals, but at the same time, you've been committed to sustainability personally for a long time. And I know you're very active in an organization called Rare. So could you give us just one or two comments about what Rare is all about? Yeah, thanks for asking, Steve, because Rare Rare is something that's very important to me. So for those of you listening, rare.org. It's a charity that's really focused on helping people in the climate succeed. And we've started on sustainable fisheries in places that are underserved, where people depend on nearshore fishing for both their protein and their livelihood, and they're killing overfishing, and therefore also damaging the ocean, but also damaging the ability for their children and grandchildren. So we have a scalable, provable, science-based solution to that problem, and that's called Fish Forever. But additionally, we're doing something called make it personal. And that is we've identified seven behaviors. If 10% of Americans did these, we could hit our climate goals. So for instance, buy an EV, eat one less portion of meat, fly one less time per month, those sorts of things that are achievable, but will help us hit our goal. Because most people believe that climate change is real. And most people believe that there's nothing they can do about it personally, which is in fact not the case. Well, thanks, Randy. I think this is our third three and five podcast focused on ESG. I think this is going to be a topic we continue to talk a lot about over the coming months and even years. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening in to this episode of three and five. Thank you, Steve.